Today's lesson is one of our audio podcasts from the Update Series 2020. Dusting versus extraction strategies during ureteroscopy for renal calculi. After listening to this, you should be able to select the different strategies for ureteroscope renal stone surgery, determining how laser parameter selection can improve lithotripsy efficiency and identify the important safety considerations to optimize patient outcomes. Take advantage of the update series winter sale going on now. Save up to 35% and receive immediate access to the first five lessons when you subscribe today. This sale is going on all week. Uh, please check it out and enjoy the lesson. Dusting versus extraction strategies during ureteroscopy for renal calculi. Evolution of flexible ureteroscopy and laser lithotripsy. In the modern day, there has been a notable increase in the use of ureteroscopy so that it is now the number one surgical modality for treating upper urinary tract stones in North America. The two major drivers of this growing trend at the expense of shockwave lithotripsy are one, advances in endoscopic technology such as flexible ureteroscopes that can safely access all parts of the ureter and kidney with minimal trauma, and two, the widespread availability of the HOYAG, Holmium Etriometrium Aluminum Garnet Laser, which permits lithotripsy in all stone locations regardless of stone composition. Ancillary instrumentation and devices such as laser fibers, retrieval baskets, and ureteral access sheaths have become smaller, more flexible, and able to withstand greater repeated use such that ureteroscopy can be performed for larger kidney stones with relatively minimal morbidity compared to percutaneous renal stone surgery. Next-generation HOYAG systems provide the surgeon with a powerful range of laser settings and parameters for breaking up stones. Strategies for treating renal stones with ureteroscopy consist of dusting, whereby fine fragments are left in situ for spontaneous passage in contrast to fragmentation and active basket retrieval of fragments. A third method is the hybrid technique, where the stone is initially dusted and when finished, larger fragments are actively retrieved. In this update, we provide an overview of the different techniques to consider when performing ureteroscopic renal stone surgery and how an understanding of laser physics and parameter selection, along with safety considerations, is important to improve lithotripsy efficiency and optimize patient outcomes. Physics of laser lithotripsy. HOYAG is a solid state flash lamp pumped laser that emits pulsed energy at 2100 nanometer wavelength. Holmium energy is strongly absorbed by water and all urinary stone compositions and thus is effective and safe for urinary stone comminution. Pulse energy joules, the amount of energy in a single pulse, and frequency, hertz, the number of pulses delivered per second, can be selected by the user. Time averaged laser power, watts, can be simply calculated as pulse energy times frequency, or joules multiplied by hertz. Energy emitted from the tip of the laser vaporizes adjacent fluid, creating a vapor bubble. This bubble serves as a pathway permitting transmission of radiation between the parted fluid. Hence the term Moses effect is used to describe this phenomenon. Laser energy is less attenuated traveling through vapor than fluid, so subsequent laser pulses that take advantage of the presence of a vapor bubble can deliver more energy into the stone. When laser energy is absorbed by stone, a photothermal reaction occurs, 
with chemical decomposition of stone material. Until recently, holmium laser systems were low power, 15 to 20 watts, and only capable of less than or equal to 15 to 20 hertz pulse frequency. Laser parameters of high pulse energy such as 0.8 to 1.0 joules and low frequencies such as 8 to 12 hertz, power 6 to 12 watts, were typically used to allow a fragmentation strategy, wherein the laser is placed in direct contact with the stone and sequential subdivision is performed, followed by extraction of the stone fragments. By incorporating multiple rods and flash lamps into new laser systems, it became possible to expand the pulse energy and frequency that could be delivered. These newer high-powered 10 to 120 watts holmium laser systems, capable of 50 to 80 hertz pulse frequency and low pulse energies such as 0.2 to 0.3 joules, have dramatically expanded the available settings for laser lithotripsy. Dusting uses high-frequency, low-pulse energy settings to break stones into sub-millimeter fragments. From a practical perspective, stone ablation volume and fragment size increase proportionally with pulse energy. There are several drawbacks to using higher pulse energy, including greater laser fiber tip degradation and increased stone retropulsion. Retropulsion increases the distance between the laser tip and stone, resulting in less energy reaching the stone. Time is also lost repositioning to regain contact with the stone as it moves. Raising pulse frequency while maintaining pulse energy increases the time average power and unsurprisingly elevates the fragmentation rate, which interestingly has a negligible effect on stone retropulsion. High-powered holmium lasers can now achieve frequencies up to 80 Hz, which can improve efficiency. However, as time average power increases, one must remain mindful of bulk thermal effects. Next-generation HOYAG systems also provide the option of varying pulse duration. Traditional short pulse modes typically range from 150 to 350 milliseconds, while long pulse modes range from 500 to 1300 milliseconds. While the same amount of energy is transmitted in each pulse, the peak power attained in long pulse mode is lower, resulting in less retropulsion and fiber tip degradation. Pulse modulation is also being used for select modes of laser operation. Most commonly, this modulation involves sequencing two or more pulses closely together so the following pulses can take advantage of the vapor bubble and transmit a greater portion of the pulse energy to the stone. An example is the MOSES technology, where the energy is delivered over two pulses. This platform has a MOSES contact mode, intended for operation at a close distance, and a MOSES distance mode, designed for lithotripsy at a distance of 1 to 2 millimeters. Techniques of ureteroscopic renal stone surgery Laser strategy depends on stone and patient characteristics, available equipment, surgeon experience, and surgeon and patient preference. One can break stones either into smaller fragments that are retrieved with ancillary devices, known as fragmentation and basketing, or into very fine fragments that are left in situ for spontaneous passage i.e. dusting. The optimal laser lithotripsy may be to use both strategies selectively, since dusting is most suited for soft stones and fragmentation and basketing are more useful as the stone hardness increases. Especially for hard stone compositions, a hybrid approach that initially uses dusting followed by retrieval of larger fragments may be necessary. An advantage of dusting, just as in shockwave lithotripsy, is that a stent may not be needed at the end of the procedure. 
which can have significant implications for post-operative symptoms and quality of life. Dusting. The aim of this technique is to incorporate a laser-setting parameter so that fragments breaking off the stone are as small as possible, thereby maximizing the goal of complete spontaneous passage. When treating renal stones, dusting consists of a contact laser lithotripsy phase and a non-contact laser lithotripsy phase. The first phase is the initial debulking step, where the surgeon sculpts the stone, keeping it intact as a single entity and reducing its overall size by ejecting tiny fragments. Eventually, no matter how good the surgeon's skill, the stone will end up breaking into smaller chunks. During the second phase, these larger fragments are pulverized with non-contact laser lithotripsy. Contact phase laser lithotripsy. Painting, dancing, and chipping are techniques used during the initial phase of dusting. Painting is accomplished by sweeping the laser fiber tip horizontally across the face of the stone while firing continuously. Dancing is the movement of the fiber going forward and backward so that it does not get stuck on the stone surface due to fragmentation. Ablation of the stone surface should be uniform and to bombard parts of the stone that project forward, taking precaution in the center to avoid fracturing the stone. For hard stones, a chipping technique can be used by firing the fiber tip at the outer edge of the stone to break off chips less than one millimeter. Dusting is a dynamic process that requires constant movement of the fiber on the stone. The laser setting initially used may need to be modified as the stone is dusted and decreases in size. If the stone begins to wobble, it means the setting is no longer optimal, and reducing the pulse energy or frequency can improve lithotripsy efficiency. Once the stone breaks into smaller fragments, the next step is to perform non-contact laser lithotripsy, so these fragments become even smaller. Non-contact laser lithotripsy, also known as popcorning, due to the chaotic and noisy movement of fragments. This technique is executed by activating the fiber tip a few millimeters away from the fragments without making contact. Using intermittent laser bursts and specific laser settings, this technique results in a whirlpool-like effect and stone disintegration as the fragments move around and come in direct contact with the laser tip. The technique allows the surgeon to avoid spending time repositioning the laser on the stone between pulses. In vitro studies have shown that using higher pulse frequencies and higher power, keeping the laser fiber positioned closer to the stone surface and performing the procedure in a smaller cavity, for example a small calyx is better than the renal pelvis, improve submillimeter fragmentation outcomes. If the stone is too hard and not amenable to dusting or the calyx is too dilated for effective popcorning, it may be more appropriate to retrieve the fragments. Extraction the objective of fragmentation is to sequentially subdivide a stone into smaller pieces that are suitable for basket extraction or spontaneous passage. This technique is also applied to very hard stones that are resistant to dusting and chipping strategies. The laser fiber is positioned on a central portion of the stone with gentle pressure to pin the stone against the wall of the calyx, papilla, or additional stone material. The laser is fired with pulse energy 0.8 to 1.2 joules and frequency 6 to 8 hertz, boring into the stone until it cracks. Use of low frequency is important, as delivery of laser energy must be stopped immediately once the stone breaks or retropulses to prevent inadvertent advancement and firing of the laser into the tissue behind the stone. With lower frequency, fewer pulses will impact the tissue before the laser pedal is released. 
gentle pressure on the stone counteracts retropulsion and ensures laser fiber stone contact, maximizing energy delivery to the stone. Retropulsion and or disruptive vibration of the stone still occurs. Use of long pulse mode on laser systems equipped with options for variable pulse duration selection will also decrease retropulsion and stone movement. Determination that stone fragments have been reduced to proper size for extraction can be problematic. Fragments that are too large will not fit through an access sheath or down the ureter, and treatment of fragments beyond removal size is inefficient and will result in more material and more passages through the ureter for retrieval. Commonly used strategies to address this problem include use of the laser fiber as a reference measurement, although inaccuracies with depth perception limit this approach. Future strategies may use imaging algorithms to assist the urologist. Ludwig et al. reported on the use of imaging software to provide a digital caliper to facilitate determination of stone fragment size. Once the stone is fragmented, basket extraction is commonly done to remove the fragments from the body. A variety of basket configurations have been developed, but the most commonly used basket type is the four-wire, tipless variety that allows reliable entrapment of the stone with minimal trauma to the collecting system and ureter. Modern-day baskets for renal work contain nitinol wire instead of steel. Nitinol is a nickel-titanium alloy with elastic and shape memory properties that make it robust for repeated use. Some baskets have been developed for unique situations, including enhanced wire patterns to secure smaller fragments, and baskets that engage stones end on with release mechanisms to prevent the basket and stone from becoming lodged. This basket type is particularly useful when attempting to extract or reposition a stone from the lower pole of the kidney. While not as sturdy as standard four-wire baskets, these ending gauge baskets have enough holding force to extract fragments via an access sheath. Some prefer to extract fragments using these retrieval devices through the ureter, as they are easy to release in case they become stuck in the ureter if the fragments are too large. However, these open-ended baskets do not hold onto the stone as robustly as the wired configurations. For repetitive passes up and down the ureter to remove multiple fragments, ureteral access sheaths are used to reduce trauma to the ureter and facilitate re-entry of the ureteroscope into the renal pelvis. A variety of ureteral access sheaths are available, and the most commonly used have inner diameters of 10 French to 13 French, sufficient to accommodate available ureteroscopes. The larger ureteral access sheaths allow extraction of larger fragments, but can be more difficult to insert and may increase the risk of ureteral injury. In general, when a fragmentation and extraction strategy is chosen and many passes are expected to clear the stone fragments, placement of a ureteral access sheath should be considered. Keeping the gauge of the ureteral access sheath as low as possible will be safer for the ureter, although the smaller sheaths will limit extraction of larger fragments. If the ureter is already stented, the dilated ureter may accommodate larger access sheath sizes. Another important consideration is to be aware of the size of the ureteroscope being used before selecting a ureteral access sheath size, as not all ureteroscopes will enter the lumen of the smaller sheaths. Clinical Evidence Dusting When examining the performance of one laser technique over another, clinical evidence may not be generalizable due to the heterogeneity of patient populations, unpredictable complexity of renal stone surgery and stone hardness, and lack of standardization in equipment, techniques, holmium systems, and laser settings used. Important endpoints to consider when determining efficacy 
include operative time, ureteral stenting rate, complications, unplanned encounters related to ureteroscopy, stone-free rate assessment, and long-term retreatment rates. In general, comparative evidence is limited regarding fragmentation with retrieval and dusting techniques for ureteroscopy, and only one randomized controlled trial has compared the two approaches for treating ureteral stones. Shatloff et al. did not find a significant difference in stone-free rate between the two groups, although unplanned visits were higher when ureteral fragments were left in situ for spontaneous passage. A major limitation of the study was that it did not incorporate low-pulse energy dusting settings, and so fragments were broken down to 2 millimeters and not finer fragments less than 1 millimeter. Tracy et al. recently reported a retrospective series of dusting technique using high-frequency, low-pulse energy settings in 71 patients. Pulse energy setting ranged between 0.2 and 0.5 joules with frequencies between 50 and 80 hertz. Stone clearance with less than 2 millimeters residual fragments was 74%, and the zero fragment rate was 62%. The emergency department visit rate after ureteroscopy was 6%, with no patients requiring surgical reintervention. Of 781 patients treated with the dusting technique and x-ray within three months, 20% required repeat surgery at a median follow-up of 4.2 years. In particular, the risk of repeat surgery was increased in renal units with residual fragments greater than 2 millimeters. A major limitation of most studies is that computerized tomography is rarely used in all patients to determine the stone-free rate. When CT has been used to assess fragmentation and retrieval techniques, zero fragment rates were between 55% and 60%. For this update, we assessed all studies for renal stone treatment containing a description of an exclusive fragmentation with spontaneous passage technique, in other words, dusting, or active retrieval that relied on reporting stone clearance using CT in all patients. In the series with a complete stone-free rate of 81% at six weeks, the residual fragment rate for stones less than 2 to less than 3 millimeters ranged from 84 to 91 percent. However, in none of these studies were low-pulse energy, high-frequency techniques used, nor were specifications of the HOYAG system provided, and therefore, they may not be representative of current technical practice. Retrieval Complete stone-free rate was 90 percent in a small series of 50 patients reported on by Redondo et al compared to 73% in a much larger series of active retrieval in 212 patients reported on by York et al. Recently, the EDGE, Endourologic Disease Group for Excellence Research Consortium, published results of a multi-institutional prospective study comparing fragmentation and retrieval against dusting technique for radiopaque renal stones measuring 5 to 20 millimeters. Residual fragments on X-ray and or ultrasound were assessed at 4 to 6 weeks. On bivariate analysis, the stone-free rate was higher for the retrieval group, 74.7% versus 58.1%, but this difference was not significant on multivariate analysis. The outcomes for stone clearance may be confounded by the dusting group having significantly larger stones. However, operative time was significantly longer for the retrieval group, and there were no differences in symptomatic residual fragments, complications, or re-intervention rates. Humphreys et al. concluded that retrieval results in a higher stone-free rate at the expense of longer procedure time and greater use of ureteral access sheaths 
100% versus 16% for dusting, may increase total procedural cost. The limited data comparing dusting and basketing techniques do not allow us to determine which method is superior. Each approach has advantages and disadvantages, and the modern-day stone surgeon should be familiar with both techniques. In select cases, dusting offers the option of stentless ureteroscopy, while retrieval with a ureteral access sheath often necessitates a ureteral stent. The decision regarding which strategy to use should be based on the clinical scenario and available resources. A combination of both techniques may be needed to optimize outcomes, cost, time, and morbidity. Regardless of technique, studies have indicated that complete stone-free rates after ureteroscopy for renal stones are suboptimal, and future directions may focus on suction or stabilization devices that can optimize laser strategies. Other Potential Benefits Stone dusting has been shown to be faster than fragmentation and retrieval. A contributing factor as to why fragmentation and retrieval are slower is the need for a skilled assistant to operate the basket, position, and open, closed slider. This necessity may be less of a problem in the future, with development of accessory devices for disposable ureteroscopes that allow the surgeon to open and close a basket with a trigger mechanism, optimizing these additional controls for the primary operator. However, even with this type of device, dusting is less cumbersome than extensive basket extraction when the surgeon is operating alone, as commonly occurs in community practice and even increasingly at large tertiary medical centers. Extraction is preferable when a premium is placed on removal of all stone fragments, as it is for commercial airline pilots. Similarly, with infected stones or patients at high risk for infectious complications, such as those with spinal cord injury, Minimizing manipulation and more complete extraction of stone material may produce better outcomes and decrease infectious postoperative complications. Future Directions New lithotripsy modes are effective adjuncts to fragmentation laser lithotripsy and have been observed to shorten operative time. However, the higher powers used with these modes present a risk of overheating the calyceal fluid, as demonstrated in in vitro and in vivo studies. Temperatures in one study reached 60 degrees Celsius after 10 seconds of laser activation at 40 watts power settings. Even short, less than one second exposure to this temperature produces cell death and tissue injury, which can lead to renal scarring, obstruction of the ureter or collecting system, and loss of renal function. A follow-up in vivo porcine study confirmed that lethal temperatures are generated during laser lithotripsy within a renal calyx resulting in grossly apparent pathological thermal injury. Results from in vitro and in vivo experiments were supported by computer simulations of the heating produced in these scenarios. Taken together, these data raise concerns that toxic heating of urological tissues could be produced by laser settings used in current clinical practice. Hence, there is a need to map the thermal safety boundaries and create parameter guidelines for high-powered laser lithotripsy. Surprisingly, Assessment of thermal safety in laser lithotripsy has lagged behind the clinical introduction of new high-powered laser systems, which do not have automated safety features or real-time sensing of intrarenal temperature. Additionally, there is no guidance from industry, professional groups, or regulatory bodies on selection of safe laser settings. While bench studies suggest that increasing irrigation rate can partly control temperature elevation, this can only be achieved in certain scenarios since intrarenal pressures must not exceed 40 centimeters H2O 
in order to minimize risk of infection, sepsis, and hemorrhagic complications from pyelovenous and pyelosinus backflow. As the range of laser settings continues to expand, laser power and irrigation rate must be considered together to establish safe operating parameters. Thank you again for listening to this free audio lesson from the 2020 update series. Be sure to take advantage of the update series winter sale for 2021 going on now. You'll save up to 35% and receive immediate access to five lessons. Thank you and we look forward to having great content for you in the future.